welcome to the 8th. I'm happy to see so many people here. Obviously, today's a very special Sunday here at the 8th because we are very honored to have with us St. Nicholas himself or Santa Claus himself with us. I've never really given a talk about someone while they're like right here in front of me, but uh, it's okay. <laughs> I don't know if many of people have saw this on the news last month. November 2018, there was a man by the name of Emily Rattleband. He is from the Netherlands. He wanted to go to court because he was discriminated. And his, his filings showed that he, there was age discrimination, that he felt discriminated because of his age. So Mr. Rattleman, uh, Rattleband, excuse me, biologically was 69. Like, legally, he was 69 years old. But he felt like he was 49 years old. This is true. Like, you can, you can look this up on, on CNN. He, so uh, legally, he was 69, but he felt he was 49. Because of that, he went to court and he sued, saying, I want my license, I want all my records to say that I'm 49 because I feel discriminated. Because I feel like I'm 49, I should put that I'm 49. No one should tell me how old I am because I want to do, I want to do me. I want to do me. So this has been an inspiration of this, not that story, but this this. This, this philosophy, this ideology has been the motive of this hashtag, I'm a do me, that everyone does what's best for them. You know what? I'm, no one's going to tell me what my age is. I feel like I'm 49, so this is what's true to me. And, th- and we talked last week how this, this ideology is becoming very popular in culture, that you do what's true to yourself. Like, don't let anyone else tell you, you do what's true to yourself. So, like, if you want to do this, you do this. You do, if that's true to you, you do that. And this, philo- this ideology has really taken our culture by storm to the point where somebody says, I'm going to do me to the point where I determine my age. If I feel 49, my license, my driver license, all my legal records should say I'm 49. No one should tell me otherwise. Naturally, naturally, we all want to do what's best for us. We're always thinking, what's best for me? What's best for me? What's convenient for me? We're always thinking of ourselves. Like, I mean, I do that, you do that. By nature, we do that. By nature, we're selfish people. But by design, we're called to be supernatural. By design, we're called for something so much more. I'll give you a little proof. Every time that you you go to the grocery store and you see this little man ringing a bell, it's coming up, I haven't seen it yet this season, and you see somebody ringing a bell asking for money, or maybe you see something online, and you see something that's pulling at you, and you maybe you feel inspired, or maybe you feel guilty, but part of you says, you know what, I feel like I should help this person or this cause, and you feel this urge to want to give. What's, what is that inside of you? There's something inside of you telling you that you're called to not to live just for yourself, but you're called for something so much more. Last week, we talked about that us giving to these random things sometimes is times is, is us giving randomly. And sometimes we, we feel inspired to give, or maybe it's out of guilt. But sometimes it's just like us wanting to give a pat on our back, saying, I'm a good person, like I give. But we're not called just to give. We're called to live a generous life. By design, by divine design, we're called to live a generous life. Because the more that I start pushing myself to think beyond myself, the more I start thinking of start thinking of others and put others before myself, this is where I'll find my truest self. This is where I'll find not just my truth, but the truth. Because this is by design we're called to give to others and not just think of, our, of ourselves. We talked about our goal is that the stuff that we own, the stuff that we all own, 
It's not supposed to own us. The stuff that we own is not supposed to own us. But many of us live to get stuff, to have this, to have that, and that defines us and that owns us. But by divine design, this is what leads us more into a pit and doesn't help us find our truest sense or the fullness of our life, of how we're designed to live. Last week, we talked about a, a letter that one of the greatest missionaries on planet Earth sent to his friend, Timothy. St. Paul the Apostle sent a letter to his friend, Timothy, of wanting to encourage and inspire those early Christians that were with Timothy. And St. Paul said this to his friend, Timothy. Timothy, command those who are rich in this present age not to be stuck up, not, not to be stuck up, not to be cocky, not to make them think that they're all of that, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but make sure that they trust in the living God who gives us virtually all things to enjoy. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Like, St. Paul is telling Timothy, like, tell those people that they're, they're, they're having this job or having this item or having this car. That's not their status. That, that's not their identity. That's not them. Like I said, that's not wealth. That's not that. Like, that's more than that. Like, help them not, like, make sure that they don't lose sight of what true wealth is. Like, guide them back into their divine design. Help them, guide them back to their fullness. It's not just this stuff. Actually, to be rich in good works is them ready, ready to give, willing to share. Like, help them to understand not to hold on to anything tightly. That's not them. Help them to find the fullness of life by willing to understand that it's not just me giving sporadically, like, to give to say I'm a good person, but I'm called to live a generous life. Help them to see that. Storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Paul is telling his friend Timothy to, to keep to help those early Christians keep their eye on the prize. It's not on the materialistic things, but it's something so much more. Because if they keep their eye on that, this is what will help them find the eternal life. Yeah, Father Nathaniel, you know, we shouldn't, you know, own a lot of stuff, you know, that, that stuff doesn't own us, but it doesn't hurt. And th th this is kind of like a mentality. Like I'm preaching to the choir, many of us would agree that we're called to not just think of ourselves, but you know, sometimes it's hard for us to grasp this reality. Like sometimes it's hard for us to grasp. I can sit here and tell you for 20 more minutes about how we should give. We should give, we should give, we should be generous, we should be generous. Yeah, we should be generous, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's it. But sometimes we need it in a tangible, applicable, realistic way in order for us to see how is this lived out? How is this expressed? How, like, how does this look like in reality? Like if, okay, for me to find the fullness of my life, for me to find the truth, instead of me just doing me, in order for me to live for others, for me to find the fullest sense of me to be alive. Okay, how does that look like? For 2,000 years, the church has highlighted individuals and groups of people that have, have, have been on a mission to live that out, to live these virtues, and to live to pushing love to the furthest extent where there is no boundaries. And the church has highlighted certain people and groups to help us see, okay, oh, oh, that's what generosity looks like. This is what patience looks like. That's what love looks like. That's what, you know, silence looks like. Okay, like those virtues that I need to practice in my life, like I'm so impatient, I get bitter, I get angry. Okay, now I, I see that virtue in that person. That, my friends, is the sense of the church. The sense and the martyrs. <laughs> we have two extreme views of sense and the church. One extreme view is, oh, you know, 
you know, we, we see, like, islands named after sins. We see cities named after sins. We kind of just, like, somebody does something nice to you, oh, you're a sins. We kind of just, like, throw the word around everywhere we go. Even when I, like, Center is one of my favorite shows. And, like, you know, you watch, like, uh, college basketball, and you see, like, you know, you know, St. Vincent beat, like, St. Thomas Church, uh, St. Thomas uh, School, and you're just seeing, like, the, you know, Sant being used for every little thing, from schools to, like, it's not, a, it's not a bad thing, I'm saying, but we have become numb to the word Sant. We have another extreme view of Sant. We have another extreme view of that we think, like, we read the stories of the Sants in church, and many of us think, like, oh, you know, they... We hear them, like, they, they came out of the womb. We think they came out of the womb with just a halo on their head, and they just started, like, levitating over the ground, and were just, like, walking around their entire life, just, like, going like this, and, like, just, like, went up to the emperor and said, I'm a Christian, and they get, we just think of, like, a fairy tale thing. Like, we, we, the, we think, like, those stories are unrelated to us. Like, they're, they're a genetic, different genetic makeup. They're, like, different time. Yeah, 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 like, okay, that's good for them, but, like, you know, they're a sans. I'm not, like, you know, they don't know my struggles. And, that, and we have two very extreme views of sants. There was an early philosopher from the second century, about a hundred years after Jesus. His name was Saint Justin the Martyr. He was a philosopher. He was a philosopher. And he said these words. He said there was a flame that grew in him after seeing other people follow Jesus. He wrote down in his journal that there was a flame that grew in his soul when he started to see other people living a life of pursuing Jesus. That he didn't fall in love with God. He, didn't, he, was, a, he, was, he was nothing. He became to fall in love with God because of how he saw others pursuing Jesus. He began an interest and curiosity on who God is. Before he was like, whatever. But he became curious because he saw others pursuing a life for Jesus. He saw others pursuing the virtues of God and wanting to become better at life. That that's what inspired him to become one of the greatest church fathers of our church. That's St. Justin the Martyr. There is another saint that many of us know, that many of us know, that goes by the name of St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas was born to wealthy parents. And when he was young, like, he wanted to pursue more to life, and he w was started getting curious about who God is, you know, who is Jesus, and he became a little more curious. His parents, you know, passed away at a young age, and he went on, uh, as he grew older, he went on a pilgrimage, actually to Egypt, some scholars write down, and to the Holy Land. Uh, Nicholas went on this journey to different places. Let me get a picture of, here we go. St. Nicholas went on different uh, pilgrimages, and he became a little bit more curious of who God is and who Jesus is is as he continued to grow spiritually and became had a more intimate relationship with god that he ended up becoming a bishop of of a city called myra which is in modern day turkey he was a very prestigious christian of his time not because of anything he wrote not because of anything like of, of any writings that he had but actually he was one of the elected bishops to go to the city of nicaea to help write down the Orthodox Creed. Like every time, in our, as you notice in, 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 the, in our ancient faith prayers and in our liturgy, that we say the, thir the 318 bishops who assembled in the city of Nicaea in the year 325. Believe it or not, S Santa Claus was there. <laughs> Santa Claus was there. So he was in this group that helped put together 
what we know today as the creed. And, and many historians have written this funny story that occurred. You know, so w we think of this meeting uh, that happened in Nicaea, that they all sat at a table and they said, so, you know, how do you think we should say, you know, how, how do you think we should write down the creed? It was feisty. It was a fiery meeting because they were so passionate about documenting our identity as, as early Christians that they, they, I mean, they were going back and back and forth as how do they put the structure and clarity to Christianity in the creed? So it got so heated at one point that Mr. Santa Claus punched a Coptic guy that named by the name of Arius. So Arius had these funny thoughts of like saying that Jesus was not really God. So St. Nicholas got pretty feisty and punched the guy. Yeah, yeah, some, some historians write that. So, you know, Santa Claus actually was escorted out of the meeting at that point. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> by the way, what I'm saying is 100% true. I'm, like, I'm just stating history. I'm just stating history. But we still love him. We still love him. St. <laughs> Nicholas had a very strong conviction for women and for young children. And, and, and go along with me. This is the culture of the 4th century. Just go along with me. The culture in the 4th century, if a father that had a daughter, if, if the daughter was going to be sent off to be married, the father would have to send a dowry or some type of item with the woman or with his daughter in order for her to get married. This is the historical context of the 4th century. And if the father didn't have anything, most likely the daughter would be, have to be sold into to slavery or prostitution. So this really bothered St. Nicholas as a bishop of his town. So he would do something where he would sneak into the back door of, of these houses of where he would know this would be the situation of these families. And he would leave, he would see some socks being, you know, drying next to the fireplace, and he would drop money or some items into the stockings and the fireplace to help the family to making sure that, you know, the, 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 the daughters could get married. And this is where we get the tradition of, of stockings that we have today. Like I said, this was a very ordinary guy pursuing something extraordinary. St. Nicholas was a very ordinary guy that had a heavy heart for helping those who couldn't help themselves. One historian wrote this in a book. Uh, that his name is Adam English. He wrote a book called The Saint Who Would Be, Who Would Be Santa Claus. He said this about St. Nicholas. There's nothing exactly like that story from other saints in that era. So he's talking about like the story of St. Nicholas. Like there's something unique about his story. At that time, the most popular saint stories involved martyrdom in which the saint would die in some gruesome way. Or there were stories of rigorous monks who went out in the desert and denied themselves in heroic ways. The writing in, in, in his biography, they're, they're saying there was something unique about the story of St. Nicholas. Like in, in his time era, like other saints, other martyrs, you know, were either people that wanted to live an ascetic life and became monks, or there was another group that would die for the sake of Christ. But he had a special conviction and a very unique story of his time where he just had a passionate heart of wanting to give everything he had to those in need, and he had a special heart for helping women and children. Uh, and that's where we get a lot of our, our traditions of what we know of Santa Claus. Then later on in the 12th century, you know, candy was added into celebrating St. Nicholas. So, so St. Nicholas then became a very popular saint all around uh, the Christian world where nuns in, in different convents wanting to celebrate the, the, the feast of St. Nicholas, 
that they would put candy and give it to children to help them remember of who St. Nicholas is, of him always wanting to help those and not only thinking of himself. So, you know, there are tons of, of, of great traditions and history and the details of St. Nicholas, of, of who he is in the fourth century and how he is still celebrated in different parts of the world today. So Catholics celebrate him on December 6th. You know, we celebrate him on December 19th. Many other churches celebrate him around this time. St. Nicholas, the bishop of Myra in Turkey. What I want to share is a, a hymn that the Eastern Orthodox Church chants as they commemorate, as they honor St. Nicholas. They pray this. This is one of their hymns. O Holy Father, the fruit of your good deeds has enlightened and delighted the hearts of the faithful. Who cannot wonder at your measureless patience and humility? Again, notice the hymnology. Notice, hymns are, are prayers put to music. They're saying these hymns, meditating on the virtues of who St. Nicholas was. Who can I wonder at your measureless patience and humility, at your graciousness to the poor, at your compassion for the afflicted? O Bishop Nicholas, you have divinely taught all things well. And now, wearing your unfading crown, you intercede for our souls. This is chanted in the Vesper service for the Eastern Orthodox Church. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Of course, Coca-Cola and many other companies began to commercialize uh, St. Nicholas, or many of us know him as Santa Claus. And we're happy that we have uh, Santa Claus with us. But I want us to kind of focus on, on, on who he is historically and what that means to us. And this is the sense of the church. That they show us in, in a visible, expressive way, how can we live a life of not just giving randomly just so I can feel good, but how can I live a generous life? How can I push myself to think not just of myself? Because when I build that muscle of thinking beyond myself, this is where I will find the truth and not just me doing me, but I'm able to think of others. God desired for him to be super clear and super tangible and super, super relatable to all of us to the point that he put on skin himself coming down as Jesus. The God didn't just want to see us abandoned and kind of have our life like torn in so many different places. He wanted to show us clearly how we're designed to live. He came, and this is, this is why Jesus is such a big deal. And the people that wanted to live and pursue Jesus, these are the saints. But guess what? Santa Claus ain't the only saint. In our ancient prayers and in our liturgy, we call someone else the saints. Not the people with the halos, and we see all the icons, and we say, we kind of, oh, yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're the holy people. The church points out there's someone else that's holy. And that is you. And that is me. When we come and partake of communion, the church doesn't say, okay, you know what, this is the holies for the broken, selfish people, the, the, the messed up people, the filthy sinners. What does the church say? The holies? are for the holy. Holy is just another word for saint. Holy is just another word for saint. We are called to be saints. We're called to be holy. Actually, you are already holy. You're already holy. You're already called to live a holy life. And our job, which is the hardest, is us for the suit. How can I follow him? How can I follow him? How can I live him out? 
How can I not just give randomly? How can I, I be generous? Be generous in me being, giving of my time, of my money, of me giving my full attention to, 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 my, to my spouse, to my friends. How can I be there? How can I be fully present? How can I continue to, to live a generous life in every aspect? Because when I do that, this is where I will find my fullness. This is where I will feel the fullness of who I'm designed to be. This is the fullness of life. When I live a generous life, when I think beyond myself, this is how I am a saint. This is how I continue to be a saint. And for us to find motivation and encouragement, we look at the early saints and the early church fathers that, that were broken just like all of us. Do not think, I, the most fatal thing we can do is to think they are different than us. They were ordinary people just like you and me. They had problems just like you and me. They had broken issues just like you and me. But they pursued something more. And this is why they're a big deal to us. To, to help us pave the way and how we can follow Jesus. Just as they follow Jesus, they become a light for us to know how we can continue to pursue him and find the fullness of life. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, it is so easy for us to just think of ourselves. It's so easy to just do what's best for us and to find our truth and just come up with excuses to just us doing ourselves. But Lord, help us to realize that we're not called for that life, that we're desi by design, we're calling for something so much more. Help us not allow this season of Christmas to just come and go and just be about busyness and Christmas gifts and help us to not just make that our focus. Help us to realize that this time is something so much more. That you became a reality for us to bring healing to us, to bring clarity to us, to bring hope to us. And Lord, you didn't just leave us at that, but we had, there are so many people that have come before us that have pursued you in an intentional way, help us to see their light, either through St. Nicholas or, or through St. Mark or through any of the saints that have come to pursue you. Through the prayers of all your saints, especially the prayers of St. Nicholas and St. Mark the Apostle, here says we all pray together saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, to thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, 